You're listening to the Per Service Podcast, episode number 13. Well, welcome back to the Per Service Podcast. It's fall of 2016, and there's that crisp feel in the air, and packets of music are arriving in the mailbox. At least that's what fall brings for me here in the Midwest. But for me, and I think for most musicians, this really marks the passage of time. We are getting back in touch with classmates at school or getting back to work at our orchestras. And there are always two questions that we are asked. The first one is looking back. Hey, how was your summer? And in a few short sentences, you have to summarize what you did or who you saw or how you felt about the work you did for the last three months. And the second one is looking forward. And it's one that we usually just ask ourselves. What are you working towards this year? What concerts are you working on? What competitions or auditions are you going to take? And how are you going to improve? So my co-hosts and I discuss how we can navigate this time well and ponder some of the things we wish we could have done differently during this time when we were in school. Now, I have to offer my apologies. I was moving some things around when we started recording and my microphone cable got dislodged. So my microphone just recorded me using my built-in laptop mic, which is not as great. So the audio on my end is not where it normally is. I tell you, it's been just a rough couple weeks for me. My hard drive died, my hosting server got hacked, now this, but I'm all back up and running except for this drop in quality. So again, please bear with me for this episode and the next one as well. I promise I'll be back to normal soon. Which brings me to my last request, which is we need your support to keep up with dying equipment and to help us improve the quality and reach of our podcast. To pledge your support, visit perservice.co slash patron or visit patreon.com and search for Per Service Podcast to make a monthly contribution starting at just $1 a month to get more great content from us. Okay, on with the show. Back to school. Yeah. Oh man. This is a really excited mouth trumpet. <laughs> <laughs> That's really excited, especially that it's like 9.30. Well, do you guys have any back to school stories or anecdotes about the rites and rituals that we all had to jump through for fall semesters? I just remember... Th- like seating auditions. Yeah, that's what I, you know, that was always like one of the very first things. The seating that's auditions my story. Ramp, where you're like, oh, yeah. summer's <laughs> over. <laughs> exactly, exactly. My best seating audition story. Yeah. This must have been sophomore year. Okay, sophomore year. For whatever reason, I had to copy something or make copies for somebody in the office. So I walk into the office and, you know, sometimes in a, in a music school office, you'll have like the big paper cutter and all these other sorts of like office. Hole puncher. Yeah. Hole puncher, all these things, you know, like the massive versions, you know, the big ones. Oh yeah. So I was making these copies and I turn around to like the other desk, the other counter. And I see Mendelssohn's Midsummer Night's Dream the viola part with certain, you know, measures like cut out and like prepared. And I'm like, oh, this is the audition seating. <laughs> like <laughs> the list. The, exactly. The, the, or like, you know, the excerpt that uh, I want to have us play. And I'm like, this is awesome. So I know exactly what I need to work on. And I'm like, going to be ready for this audition. So I do that. Then the audition comes and what do they want? The whole excerpt. <laughs> Not 
Oh, oh no! Yeah, we the whole thing, so I'm like, I'm rocking out like eight bars at a time. Those are awesome. And then I'm like, sight read, sight read, sight read, sight read. Eight bars, awesome. And then like that. So that kind of taught me, like, even if you think you get an inside tip, you know, you never know what they're gonna decide. Play it, play it safe. That's a good learning lesson. It was. It was. Also funny. I had a friend who just like for the seating auditions, just always wanted to sit in the back and didn't really want to prepare for the audition. So she just wouldn't show up to the seating auditions. And so by default, they would just always put her in the back. And she was like, win-win for me. That is brilliant. In undergrad? I know. Yeah. I feel like people are more motivated in undergrad and they're like, gotta get first chair. And then in grad school, are like, who cares? Don't care. You know, that's really funny. Yeah, in grad school, I didn't show up for an audition once. And so I had been sitting concert master the year before. And, you know, I told them like, hey, I can't be in town on the day of these auditions. So, like, you know, just put me mm-hmm. in the back. Like, that's fine. Because I didn't care. Yeah. And I showed up to the first rehearsal and they had me sitting concert master again. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, are you kidding? <laughs> and it was just very funny because... Um, some people were very mad. Yeah, I would say I'd be that person. Be like, she didn't even show up, and she's concertmaster. Yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't get there, and like, then they. I was like, you know, my last audition was so good it counted for two. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Actually, I do remember my first audition. Like they gave us excerpts to prepare, and then there was also a sight reading portion. And the sight reading was either from Brahms' tragic overture or academic overture. I don't remember. But you know, it was the first violin part, and it's something that like randomly starts getting. You know, it just goes into like nosebleed position and you're playing like notes with like 57 ledger lines and... The way that I I do stuff like that is I'm just like, I'm just going to go for it. Because like even if I... If I play really quietly, I'm still the only one in this room playing. They're two feet away from me. They will hear. So I'm just going to go for it. And I just like, <laughs> it was hilarious. I uh-huh. just went for it. And it was so great because rhythmically yeah. I was correct, but I think I was off a couple of ledger lines with my notes. But like, so everybody was kind of laughing. But I think that's what got me the seat is because I was just like, loud and proud. Here it goes. <laughs> just do it. I play loud. Well, and that could probably segue into just a little tip for your upcoming auditions or the ones that are have already happened. It depends on the school. I mean, I don't know. Do you guys go? So you went for rhythm over mm. notes, which I think is a good, a good suggestion for sight reading. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I always think rhythm dynamics notes, which I say that in theory, like I know that that's the right answer, but I don't always think that like as I'm playing, I, I usually think that notes are more important. I'm like, I got to play the right notes. But then if you come to a screeching hall, like that's terrible. Right. <laughs> and along with rhythm to also just kind of, you know, have have pulse in it, you know, not just like it's not only the right rhythm, but also the pulse and the tempo of the bar that you just set a pulse in your mind when you're thinking of the tempo. And then you go and just try to stick mm-hmm. to that. And that's why I always I always think of, you know, if you can recognize the rhythm that you're going to play a beat or two, even a, even a bar in advance, it really just helps keep the whole thing unified and then that leaves more room for you to think about the notes. Yeah. yeah. I would even venture to say that along with keeping the, the pulse, it's more important to keep the pulse and the rhythm 
in your own tempo and not necessarily worrying about like, oh man, am I a little bit slow or am I a little bit faster than what the conductor might want? Because they can always ask you to go faster or go slower. That being well, said, don't reading. come in playing Don Juan half tempo, but at the correct well, rhythm. This is just for sight reading. So in sight reading, yeah. right, you can play. I think it's okay to play under. And also I made the mistake many times, especially in undergrad, rushing yeah. through um, like they'll say you can take a minute to look at it and then play it. And I would always just be like, it's going to be crap anyway. So who cares? <laughs> yeah. And then I finally learned in like junior year, take those, uh, take those like 30 seconds and just like look at the, the, you know, mm-hmm. the accidentals, the key signature, perhaps <laughs> map out a few shifts. I don't know. It is yeah, really amazing what you can minute. fix in those 30 seconds. Yeah, exactly. Before you start. Yeah. So. Cool. Good Sight luck, everybody. The free auditions that have probably already happened. They're building, you know, stepping stones to taking real auditions or professional auditions, and that you learn a lot in those seating auditions. And you learn how you deal or what happens to you in auditions, and I, they're 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 good times. I would definitely recommend going to them. If there are any professors listening, please don't allow your schools to only have the conductor listen. I had for grad school and I went to like a decent grad school. I guess I won't say it here just in case, but like we went to the conductor's office to have auditions, which I don't think, I don't think it aided the process because as you're saying, it's a good experience to have like a little panel and have a mock audition. We were not afforded that at my school. Yeah. And I thought that was really crummy because then it's totally not, it's about his favorites and not about, a good experience, which was, which was a shame. I felt bad for the kids that were in undergrad there. Cause I was like, this yeah. is not a good picture of what you should be experiencing and getting ready for in the real world. Womp womp. Yeah. My other sort of thought for administrators is I, I think it's so much better to have excerpts from the standard orchestral excerpts, not an excerpt from the piece that you're playing starting next mm-hmm. week. Like in the fall, I mean, I understand it's like, oh, you want people to practice your orchestra music coming up, but it's like, you're, I mean, you're only going to play the, you know, Weber Oberon overture right. in your school orchestra. Like, <laughs> Whatever. We get the point. All right, guys. So I have a question now that we're all, you know, mature adults in the working world. What would you tell yourself? Your that younger so self? dirty. It does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sexy Veronica voice. <laughs> I'm Veronica. I was just trying to be fancy. Okay. Oh, forget being fancy. We want okay. chat. Okay. So, guys, now that we're all out of school um, and out, you know, in the world, what would you tell your younger self? Um, yourself when you were still in school, so you could get the best and the most out of your semester or your school year if i could turn back time okay. no is it is it too early for for share no i just wasn't ready Never too early for share hmm i would probably say especially at the beginning of the semester um not to get caught up in summer bragging you know People come back and there's always the random kids who went to an awesome festival or maybe did a master class with a really famous teacher and they come back and that's all they're talking about. Like, oh, I spent my summer here. I played for this person. And it's like, that's all well and fine. But like, don't let someone else's success or their stories or their their bragging kind of 
make you doubt what you did this summer. Try to keep your experiences really great and keep all of the things that you learned fresh in your mind and let that motivate you to get the semester started and also to motivate you when the semester's workload starts to bog you down. I think it's really smart at the beginning of a semester, at the end of a summer, to write down maybe on some post-it notes or a flashcard or just somewhere these key thoughts or these key things you learned in the summer or just maybe even a highlight that really motivated you or inspired you. Write that down and remember, like, that was my summer. Like, I don't have to compare my summer to someone else's time at, at Aspen or Banff or wherever, you know, Prussia Cove. Like, I had my own summer. Maybe it, maybe it is Cove. one of Maybe it was at one of those places and and you learned a lot and just, you know, keep that for yourself. Like don't, don't waste the time and energy trying to compare yourself with what someone else did in summer. Absolutely. Because sometimes, you know, you come in and the first semester, especially if you're a returning undergrad and you're sizing up the new kids you're like, all right, what we got here? And you, and you have like maybe baggage from the previous year and in, in a way, in a sad way, like lines can be drawn in studios because certain people act a certain way and have bragged about their summer and like it gets everybody off on a bad foot. And you just really have to be concerned with you and your well-being. And I was thankful that for most of the years I was in undergrad, I would map out with my teacher our plan for the semester and what he expected of me and which pieces I was going to be playing. And that really helped my brain, especially if you're at a university. I know conservatories can be rigorous too, but for me at university, trying to keep up with all the academic academia was really tricky in addition to being able to, t- to find the time I needed to practice. Did you have academic classes every year or were you able to? Oh, yeah. Just most. Yeah. Oh, man. Every year. And most of the time, like I would get to the music building at like 7 or 8 a.m. to practice before my first class. And I'd have to walk all over campus uh, to get to the other academic classes. Right. It was, it was not um not the best of times, <laughs> I'm going to say, no. schedule wise. It was a little draining. Yeah. I think, I mean, I also went to a university uh, with a music school and not a conservatory. And um, while I'm grateful for everything that I learned, the school puts a very strong emphasis on academic performance. And so it was really great, you know, to be on the dean's list every semester. And so I worked hard for that. Only in my last semester of undergrad did I come to the realization of like, man, I would have really been happy with a B average and everything and just had way more time to practice or do other things, you know, so I would have let myself know that in an audition, really, you know, an A minus or even an A in theory, like isn't really going to make the big difference. You know, a B would have been fine. I think if you're as long as you're learning, like just don't freak out over grades, let yourself play well. That's I think that's more important. But that that's a personal decision everyone has to make. Yeah. If that's not for you, don't do it. Yeah. For for me as well, it's really tough because I'm, you know, sort of the gold star collectors. I I want to be, you know, <laughs> you know, I want to do well and I want to, you know, be great at everything and I want to keep my 4.0. But there's I mean there there is something to doing well in like theory classes and history classes. Like you want to know the information because it helps you as a performer. That being said, school is such a great time if you don't have to work another job or something else and you can just really focus on practicing a lot like every day, almost every day. Let's be honest. I didn't, I didn't even <laughs> in school, I didn't practice every day, but uh, that it's such a 
special time that you get to just focus on practicing. You don't, you probably don't have all these other responsibilities and stuff because it just, it gets really hard. I think when you get out of school to really have that much focused time where like every night from like six to midnight or something, you could just be in the practice rooms or whatever. No, you guys didn't do that. Oh, I did. I, but in undergrad and I was kind of going along with Michael, what you're saying, if you did have to work over the summer, so you didn't get to go to, you know, a million festivals or whatever, that that's fine. If you worked over the summer, so you don't have to work during the school year, then when you get back to school, just ignore all the braggers as Christian was saying, and just get to work from day one. You know, just start really working. Don't feel like you're a lost cause because you didn't get to go to a festival or something over Mm -hmm. the summer. Get back to work. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't actually. I was not able to go to um, a festival until after my junior year. And it was a bummer because in high school, I hit the festivals hard. And like, it was such a growth experience for me. And then having to, well, I was diagnosed with um, an autoimmune disease my freshman year. And so I couldn't, I wasn't well enough to go anywhere. And I ended up working instead, which wasn't the best. Oh, this is actually great. Just a little fun little side story. I worked for this 98 year old woman. Her name was Patience. And I like cooked for her (laughs) and cleaned and stuff. And every once in a while I'd have to sleep at her house because she needed like, just in case she needed somebody in the night because she was so old. And I would get paid to sleep. (laughs) And she was very fascinated by the blow up air mattress. She was like, totally baffled by it. She was like, what's happening? (laughs) Best job ever. Anyway, but, but it was discouraging for me to not have gone to... Um, a festival that I was used to doing because I I loved festivals so much and I ate it up. I'd practice like eight hours a day, hang out with all the friends. Like I had the best time. And I was like, how am I going to maintain motivation and get back to school and have like nothing to show? You know, and it was hard. I'm not going to say I did a great job because I wasn't feeling well. And I, I say if you can go to a festival, absolutely do it. And if you can't, then make a practice plan for yourself for the summer because you will yeah that's what i did i guess i didn't really realize that i didn't have a normal summer schedule for the most part like i went to all these great festivals you know in france and in the czech republic and i probably was that person looking back in hindsight that was like hey michael how was your summer oh i went to the czech republic and i tripped backpacked through europe and and people and everybody i talked to was probably like oh Cool. That's that's awesome. Oh my god! Thanks for being a braggart. <laughs> and kind of uh, realized after after my masters when I just kind of had to work. I was like, wow, this is really this is normal. I was very fortunate to be able to go to these great festivals and you know meet all these you know amazing performers and stuff. But having I had a journal for all my lessons and stuff that. Um, any like master class or anything that I went to, I wrote down sort of the inspiring quotes I heard or from lessons, they were things that my teacher had always, you know, told me. And it's really, it's really great to have looking back in hindsight that week after week, I would write the same things over and over. And, you know, it was always like index higher, curve your pinky, you know, violin up all these, like a lot of just posture and technique related things. And Eventually, I stopped writing them. And I was like, oh, man, it took me like six weeks of writing the same thing that eventually, eventually I figured it out, I guess. 
Or my teacher gave up telling me. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) What do you guys think? um, Going back to what Anna had said about how she kind of mapped her semester or maybe even your year with your um, teacher. I think that's such a great idea to do. Even if your teacher doesn't necessarily bring that up themselves. I think that's something to bring up with them and, and say, you know, maybe, you know, I'd really like to audition for the Contero competition next year or this year, depending on, you know, when it falls for you, how can we make that happen? You know, like wh- what do I need to do between now and then to be ready? I think that's a great idea. And even before you're in school, if you're in high school or, you know, I think with your private teacher, like set up some goals, um, even if there's not competitions or anything, but you know, just like, Oh, I'd like to learn this concerto and this movement of Bach or, or, you know, whatever. I think that is really a great motivator for, to see it written down and to see your end goal and then the steps you have to take to get to there. I think that's really helpful to keep you practicing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think there's a lot of great wisdom in that. And there's so much value in writing out what you plan to accomplish in a semester and keeping your goals and all that stuff visible and nearby and something that you come back to frequently. In addition to that, I I think it's important to practice bravery. An idea from Christian. He's smart. He, you know, he was suggesting that we write to and set up a lesson for future auditions or, Um, teachers that you're considering. And I didn't find myself having a lot of time to do some of that looking ahead for grad school during undergrad. But what I did do, I kept a relationship with a conductor um, that I had in high school at Peabody Sinfonietta. And he was such an amazing conductor. And I would periodically go back and play for him and start Mm -hmm. to get perspective on a larger score um, you know, experience, you know, the things that you learn in undergrad, you're not just playing your part. You have to actually know the score for pieces. And it was really helpful to have a conductor that was available to me that I could go and and play for and have him help me think about the score and the music. And I think that's absolutely a valid tip because sometimes it's good to have people outside of your school circle that you can still gather advice from when you have time to keep your brain outside of the little not real world that is college. <laughs> I don't think that's the real world. Oh, yeah. And because also for like grad school applications, you need three references. And after your private teacher, it was kind of a struggle for me to think of who are two other teachers that a even know my name, you know, so it's great to have people like that. Yeah, And I also think especially for grad students or even people out of grad school and working in the freelance world, um, if you if you have somebody that can share with you those anecdotes from the real world and real world experience they've gathered, it's incredibly inspiring. I think if you're an undergrad or in grad school, it might be a professor, even someone who teaches a different instrument, you know, go to their studio class, listen in, get all of the wisdom that you can, because the step from student to self-teacher is drastic and happens instantly. But that doesn't mean that you stop learning. Listen to stories, be attentive, find someone, um, you know, quite often several decades older who can just share a lot of their wisdom. And I've never met, rarely have I met someone who's not eager to share, you know, the stories and great things that they've learned, because quite often one little story is all it takes for a musical idea to suddenly become clear. And if you understand like, ah, that's what it is. Awesome. Got it. 
and going along with Anna's Anna's practicing bravery, I think for freelancers or people in grad school, you know, write to an orchestra that you're a fan of or write to the concert master or principal of the section, you know, and say, I'm a really big fan of the orchestra. Could I play for you? Or are there any sublist opportunities? Sometimes you'll get a no, but quite often you'll get a, yeah, sure. Why not? Nothing's free at the moment, but come play, you know, that'll motivate you to practice and that'll show you that it's not so difficult to get your name out there. You know, don't just wait for the call. Like, put yourself out there and see if, you know. And don't wait until you feel ready to do that because True. you're never going to be, you're never going to feel ready. Believe me. Yeah. You just have to do it. Talk about bravery. Yeah. Anna posted your picture of your pin that you have on your, on your violin strap. Um, that says nervous means do it. Right. Is that what is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what it it's says. It's so good. Cause some, sometimes it's like, you just have to like, it, I get really nervous writing emails, like to, yeah, to principals mm-hmm. and be like, Hey, can I take a lesson? And usually when they write back and say, yeah, absolutely. Like, it's so exhilarating to be like, yeah, they said I can do it. Or, or yeah, I got it. Or if you ask for something and they say, sure, it's so exhilarating, but it's like that fear would have kept me from, from doing it. Or absolutely. Yeah. That's a mantra of this friend I have. And she, it's like her brand, honestly, of like, just like living intentionally and, and being vulnerable and all of those things. And um, so she made these pins and my friend Oakley gave me one. And I think her, like the antithesis to that is like, a f- um, scared means consider it, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like true fear you need to pay attention to, but if you're just nervous, you just need to do it. Yeah. Like get over yourself, do it. Yeah. It's a good, good thing to live by. I think one of the other great things about kind of this back to school time is what you were talking about. Christian is don't wait for the door to be opened all necessarily all the time that there is, there is room for you to start something. And then there's a great, I mean, one of the best things about being in school is being surrounded by colleagues that you can start something with. You can just get a quartet together really easily and just sight read stuff, or you can start, you know, playing weddings or gigs or whatever with, you know, people that are all around you. Yeah. I think, you know, one thing that we forget as musicians is we learn by comparison, you know, mastering three pieces is not going to teach you as much as playing 30 pieces on a slightly less higher level, but really knowing them, like the more you start to understand pieces, compare them and you recognize certain patterns that composers had or ways that composers influenced each other, like that is going to make you um, soak up future music much more quickly. I think, you know, don't, don't freak out Mm. about only having one piece that you've mastered, you know, try to absorb many pieces. You're going to teach yourself to learn faster, absorb musical ideas much more quickly. And then you're just going to have a much broader repertoire of your own interpretation and your own inspiration. Mm. Don't find a comfortable tempo to experience music school at really always push yourself to really absorb, absorb more, learn more. Yeah. That was cute. (laughs) <laughs> I did. That was not meant to be cute, but okay. <laughs> well, just come to your own tempo. <laughs> did, did you do those, um, like chamber music party? Oh yeah. Readings where you just yeah. like get together. Those are some of my yeah. favorite nights. Yeah. Jess still talks about them now. Yeah. I love it. And also well, I will say, <laughs> yeah, of course. And I will say too, I volunteered for a lot of new music stuff in undergrad because I wasn't always, 
I don't know. I really had that attitude. I wanted to play as much as possible because I was used to that in high school. And it wasn't so, it didn't seem like so much of a thing at the university I was at for undergrad. And so I was like, well, I guess I'll be in new music then. And I will never regret that because I got to play with a lot of composers and people who are interested in that scene. And it really grew me as a musician. Um, And I think probably now there's more of like a formal setup at most schools to join new music ensemble, but there wasn't back in my day. (laughs) Well, I don't know. A lot of people are just left to like scavenge around for their own, you know, orchestra or chamber group or whatever to play their music if they want it played. So yeah. And I will say available is good. I will say I did say yes for free way too many times. I did have a little bit of regret here and there. (laughs) (laughs) Sort of. I mean, when you're in school and your composer friend is like, hey, will you play my piece that I just wrote for our composer recital? Like, yeah, Yeah. you should should probably do it. And when you're in school, you, you don't have to, you know, ask for money for everything. Like, there are some things you could just do for favors and you, you, that are learning experiences like, and they're, they're nice things to do for your friends who are composers because they need their works performed. Last point. Sorry. Last point. I think the further and further you get into school, the more important it should be. And maybe even for freelancers as well is focus on strengthening current relationships and networking possibilities than creating new shallow acquaintances. Absolutely. Um, It it doesn't mean to be, you know, a rude jerk face Mm. to incoming freshmen or new people in town, but just remember, no, the people you're going to meet and become friends with in school, they're going to be your colleagues for life, even if you're not living in the same city. And sometimes, you know, they'll remember, hey, this person worked really hard. They took things seriously. Let's give them a call. Let's see if they have time. And so, you know, focus on creating some contacts, keeping the relationship very strong, very professional. And that's going to be better than, you know, 10 strong contacts like that is way better than a thousand shallow acquaintances. Yep. Truth, Browns. Truth, truth. there we have lightning round of uh last if you could go back in time and tell yourself from it tell tell your little undergrad self something to keep in Mm. mind keep the big picture in mind i would do differently i gotta say you only get one (laughs) (laughs) the time portal is closing in 15 seconds you gotta tell yourself something i would tell myself you can't turn back time so practice now (laughs) i think i would say hang out in the music practice room lounge. Like if the practice rooms are full, just be there and, and stay, stay present. And you meet like, that's the, those are the people that you want to hang out with are the people that are always in the practice rooms or that are working hard. If you go back to your dorm room and think, Oh, I'll practice in my dorm room. Like you'll start watching Netflix. Which wasn't around when we were in Which school. Which wasn't an option. Still. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I, my time portal is broken. I would go, I would have to combine Christians like practice now with don't burn yourself out either. Academically, um, busyness, sleep more than four hours a night. Cause I, I did that about, I did, I did about four hours a night for my first year of school. That, that hurts. Didn't, didn't go so great. Ooh. 
Absolutely not. I could never do that. I think I kept no dose in business. Also, don't do that. <laughs> no dose? That's... Caffeine pills? Oh, no. Are don't you a that. little Jesse? Are you the Jessica Spano? Actually, it's <laughs> yes. not Wiersma. It's I'm Jesse yes. Spano. Yeah. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so scared. Yeah, I tried to take like Red Bull once or something. And it almost killed me. I don't do well with high doses of caffeine. But yeah. I, I will say... Uh, I would tell myself, unfortunately, to not spend so much time with relationships with like roommates and boyfriends. I spent a lot of time because I love like close relationships and community. Sure. But I spent way too much mental energy on that kind of stuff when I wish I would have just been focused on the mm. craft. Yeah. <sighs> Deep regret. Well, I think that's good for today. I go. Good, good talking to you guys. We'll see you next time. I've been Michael O'Giblin. I'm Anna Luce. I'm Jessica Wiersma. And I'm Christian Marshall. Well, that is our show, folks. Thanks for hanging in there, despite my microphone not working. You can see the show notes online at www.perservice.co slash 13, like the number, and all the points we mentioned in there as well. You can keep up with the four of us throughout the week on Instagram. Just follow Per Service Podcast. And again, if you haven't yet, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play, or wherever you get your fine podcasts, and leave us a review. It would really help us out a lot because it helps other musicians find our show. Until next time, look up, say hi, be strong, and practice well. <laughs> <laughs>